In today's world, hydrogen is becoming a more and more important source of energy. But how does hydrogen actually help us produce energy? And how will it be used in the future to replace some of our current energy sources? Hello, I'm Samantha Simmons. And in this final episode of the Future of Energy podcast series, we'll be finding out how hydrogen is becoming the fuel of the future and how it will help us towards Great Britain's net zero target. Today, I'm joined by Becky Hart, UK Energy Strategy Manager, and Robert Gibson, Hall System and Gas Supply Manager. Hello, a very warm welcome to you both. Morning. Hi. Hello. So let's start by talking about what actually is hydrogen and how do we use it? Becky. Hydrogen is essentially a chemical element and it is already really abundant in our environment. However, it's present in molecule form. So it's in water, it's the H in H2O, and it's in carbohydrates. So it's present in nearly all living things. It's also combustible. That means that we can burn it and when it's burnt, it produces heat. However, as a gas on its own, it's very scarce. In order to produce a pure hydrogen gas, it needs to be split out from other molecules, such as water, or you can split it out from methane, which we know also as natural gas and which we use to heat our homes. Hydrogen is already commonly being used, though, worldwide for refining oil and in the production of ammonia for fertilisers in the agriculture sector. Each year, the UK uses around 27 terawatt hours of hydrogen, so a huge amount. And this is sort of equivalent to the home heating needs of almost 2 million homes. Nearly all of this hydrogen is produced from natural gas. And when it's produced, it emits carbon emissions. In future, though, Hydrogen could be used as a clean alternative to natural gas for heating homes because when it burns, it only produces water vapour, so there are no carbon emissions like when we burn methane. It could be used in boilers to produce heat for residential heating or in industrial applications. And it's already being used in hydrogen fuel cells, where it's producing electricity to power cars, lorries, trains, even a ferry in the Orkney Islands. So, Robert, when can we expect to see hydrogen being used? As you've already heard from Vicky, it is already being used now in multiple industrial processes and also in fuel cells to, to power cars. There's even the new Extreme E racing series, which is currently using hydrogen to produce electricity to charge the vehicles to let them race in more extreme locations. The UK development is well underway, and you can see the 10-point plan. You're likely to see hydrogen being used in many sectors by 2030. There's a number of hydrogen trials around the country which are designed to check the feasibility and the safety of using hydrogen to kind of heat our homes and businesses. For example, there's a trial at Keele University where we're trying to mix hydrogen with natural gas to reduce the overall carbon impact of using methane. National Grid is also involved in a trial to see how we can transport hydrogen safely through the national transmission network that currently exists for natural gas today. I think there's probably one other thing we could add on to that is that in the 10-point plan, the government's 10-point plan, they're looking at having, I think, five gigawatts of hydrogen production capacity by 2030, which is quite a lot given we have very low levels of that now. And initially, it's looked, they're thinking it will be used in industrial clusters. So if you can imagine that some of these areas around the country which are more industrial, you'll have one centre where you've got various different industrial processes or power generation or ceramics production, whatever, all in one place. And then they can switch over to hydrogen. And then it could be linked up by this sort of a hydrogen backbone, if you will. And that could be the beginning of then hydrogen becoming more and more widely used across the country. So that's how we can expect to see hydrogen being used. But Robert, how can we actually produce the hydrogen in the first place? Like Becky said, hydrogen is generally attached to other molecules and needs to be split out. One of the ways we do this currently today is producing it from natural gas. 
which is obviously a non-renewable energy source. Natural gas is split. Uh, when we do that, we split the carbon and the hydrogen uh, atoms, and we call this kind of reforming. And by you doing kind of one of two primary methods, so steam methane re- reformation is, is the most common method for producing bulk uh, hydrogen and accounts for most of the world's production today. This method uses a reformer which reacts with steam at a high temperature and pressure with methane and a nickel catalyst to form hydrogen and carbon monoxide. The hydrogen is collected for use and the carbon is emitted into the atmosphere. So there's almost 10 kilograms of carbon is emitted for each kilogram of what we're calling grey hydrogen produced. I'll probably start calling a lot of these hydrogens different colours. There's generally a large palette of, of colours of hydrogen. And when you capture the carbon in, in the grey hydrogen production and with a method called carbon capture usage and storage, uh, normally referred to as CCUS, we then would call this blue hydrogen because we're able to capture that carbon that's being emitted. Here, up to kind of 90% of the carbon emissions are captured and stored. However, obviously, there's still some residual emissions as well which is unavoidable leakage when we we do this kind of form of hydrogen production. But we can also produce hydrogen from water by passing an electric current through it. This is uh, called electrolysis. And when we use renewable electricity to produce this, this is generally labelled green hydrogen. So another colour to add to the mix. When the electricity is, is from a nuclear power plant, this tends to be called pink hydrogen. But it's very much the same process with electricity passing through water to split the H2 and the oxygen away from each other. Biomass gasification is a process that uses a kind of heat, steam and oxygen to convert biomass, so that's your bioproducts or your forest residues, etc., into uh, hydrogen and other products without any combustion. Because of the growing biomass removes uh, carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, this is net carbon emissions of this method can be negative when you capture them through this process, but there's yet to be a colour assigned to that one. Becky? I think the only thing that I would add to that is that there are all these different ways of producing hydrogen and we need to be mindful of what the end game is here. So we're trying to get to net zero. So we need to find the way to produce the hydrogen that's going to have the lowest amount of carbon possible. However, because hydrogen is so flexible in its usage, as we've discussed, there may be a bit of a trade-off between how many carbon emissions, because there are still a few carbon emissions from blue hydrogen versus just sticking to a green hydrogen route. You mentioned net zero, Becky. What role will hydrogen play in a net zero future? Well, it's got a vital role to play within the whole energy system, and we know that it will be needed in one way or another. The question is, is how are we going to use hydrogen most efficiently and most effectively? One way where it can really add value for us as the electricity system operator is that it can enable more renewable electricity to be connected to the system and more renewable electricity to be used. Renewable electricity sometimes will produce more electricity than we need at any one point in time. And so there's going to be what we could see as a surplus of electricity on the system. The process of electrolysis, which uses electricity and electricity from wind turbines and from solar panels, can soak up this excess electricity and produce hydrogen. The hydrogen that is produced in this way can then be stored for future use at times of high demand. It provides this level of flexibility, which for us in the ESO, we're really, really keen to have in future. The hydrogen then, when it's been stored, it can be turned back into electricity via a power plant or it could be used directly to decarbonise industrial processes or as a fuel for shipping. And this is basically as a minimum. If there's a decision that blue hydrogen is the way to go, so if we continue to extract natural gas in the North Sea, this is a big if because there's a big reliance on carbon capture and storage, we could produce enough hydrogen that it could be used widely for heating homes all over the country. 
For our end consumers, this would mean some change. Although hydrogen can be used in what we see as a bit of a traditional heating system with a boiler and with radiators, the boilers that we have at the moment aren't ready for hydrogen. They would need to be adapted. They could cope with maybe a blend of hydrogen and natural gas, but if we went for a pure hydrogen system, which is what we would need in a net zero world, we'd have to change our boilers. Also, because hydrogen has to be produced, we have to extract the natural gas, has to go through a process of reformation, we have to then store the carbon dioxide off the back of it. It's unlikely that it's going to be as cheap for end consumers as natural gas is at the moment. So energy efficiency measures in the homes and in boilers are still going to be really important to make sure that costs are low and that we use the hydrogen that we're producing as efficiently as possible. I think, Becky, there's, there's a real point there about the, the whole energy system role. Today, we, we tend to see people using gas or electricity. Into the future, we're going to see kind of a, a mix, a blend, and a very much a reliance on electricity to make hydrogen, hydrogen to make electricity. And thinking in a whole energy system way will be a real key to being able to reach net zero. What we've done today won't get us to where we are in the future. Hydrogen will be a key enabler in being able to unlock some of that new whole energy system thinking. So what do our future energy scenarios say about hydrogen, Becky? Well, hydrogen has a role in every single one of those future energy scenarios, even the one which doesn't reach net zero. So starting with that one, we assume that there will be some hydrogen that's produced, likely from um, excess renewable generation or from natural gas, and it's blended with the natural gas that's in our existing gas network across the country and it's blended so that it reduces the overall carbon impact. The trials that we've seen so far show that a blend of about 20% can be accommodated without any adaptations required to pipelines or to homes. Within our net zero scenarios, there are a number of different ways that hydrogen contributes. So we've already talked about how it's complementary to renewable electricity production. We also say within our future energy scenarios that if we're going to use it in that way, that it soaks up its excess electricity, we need to make sure that we have hydrogen storage. Having hydrogen storage is just as important as having the facilities, the production facilities in place. So we can really maximise this potential for hydrogen and renewable electricity production. Hydrogen is also seen as vital for the decarbonisation of industry as it's able to replace the need for sort of high intensity heat, which some electric solutions just can't do. And this will be seen in those industrial clusters we mentioned earlier. Within FES as well, we also assume that hydrogen in the form of ammonia is the way to decarbonise international shipping. International shipping, is, as we know, is quite carbon intensive. It has a big carbon footprint and there's a huge amount that goes all around the world all the time. If we can shift that over to ammonia, which comes from hydrogen, then that's a, an easy way of decarbonising it. And then finally, in leading the way, which was our most ambitious net zero scenario, and it reaches net zero before 2050, we're using hydrogen as a fuel to provide the heat needed for direct air carbon capture. So this is another way of capturing carbon from the air already and then storing it so it can run all the time, maybe on it, again, using excess renewable electricity, but is adding an extra bang for our buck in terms of capturing the carbon we need to get to net zero. I think within the FES, just to reach back into talking about the different production methods as well, it shows the diverse range and mix of hydrogen production can be going all the way to just wind turbines purely there out in the North Sea, being able to produce hydrogen to be able to use. It's such a, a flexible piece of the puzzle when it comes to whole energy system that there's a lot of different combinations that we can done going forward that the future energy scenario tries to explore each of those. What challenges, Robert, do you think we face with hydrogen? 
just there I mentioned the amount of different ways that things can piece together and, and with all those different options comes uncertainty with uncertainty becomes hesitation to be which route do we go down that's one of the biggest challenges for hydrogen's future the hydrogen strategy that's been published is a good step forward but there's still a range of outcomes that can be there for, for hydrogen there's uncertainty when it comes to demand. So will it be there to heat our homes or there to decarbonize industry? What kind of mix is there? And trying to balance that demand and supply growth at the same time, the uncertainty really does kind of struggle. And what does throw a spanner in the works when it comes to trying to develop this. Again, we've said we've got these different forms. We can produce hydrogen, boy hydrogen from methane reformation or, or green hydrogen from electrolysis. Which option do we choose? Which one's going to be the most economical? And, and how much is that going to then, consumer then going to see of the, the cost of hydrogen? And then how will that compare to the, the cost of, say, natural gas that we're using today to heat our homes? There's also, once we've created the hydrogen, either methane reformation or electrolysis, we still have to get it to the demand point. So we're going to have to either build a new network or develop the one that we've currently got to be able to transport the hydrogen to where it needs to be. Again, with the uncertainty of how it's being produced or where it's going to be used, it makes it very difficult to plan how best to develop those kind of networks. But I guess hydrogen isn't the golden bullet. It needs to be part of the whole energy mix. We need to work out how we use it most efficiently. So heat pumps for homes rather than a boiler is, is the most efficient way currently that we see. So should we be using produced electricity to, to power these heat pumps rather than supplying it directly into the people's boilers? There's a, a real mix there of future and, and trying to get real clarity on that is a real challenge that we're going to have to overcome in the, in the next few years. And I think if you look at our future energy scenarios, we, we've reflected that because we have three that meet net zero, but we have one that is much more electrified solution and one that's a much more hydrogen solution. And the volume difference in terms of the amount of hydrogen between those two is massive. The hydrogen scenario is reliant on still taking natural gas out of the ground and producing hydrogen from the methane that we've got from our gas fields in the, in the North Sea or from wherever, and then storing the carbon off the back of it as well. There's a real difference in volume and there are quite big implications dependent on whether we want to continue down that route where we're having to store carbon and then repurpose our grid in order to transport hydrogen, or we go to the other side where it requires a sort of a retrofit process of getting more heat pumps into people's homes so that we can switch away from using any kind of gas to heat homes and using electricity instead. There are some really big decisions that need to be taken soon with regards to how we're going to heat our homes in future and whether we're going to need hydrogen for, to do so. And finally, Robert, is hydrogen actually safe? So hydrogen, much like methane, is a flammable gas. There's going to have to be tight safety precautions put in place, like we have for natural gas today, to ensure that it's safe to use. The industry will have to be held to account to make sure that everything coming into your home is safe and able to be used securely. Robert, Becky, thank you so much for joining us today and for your fascinating insight into hydrogen and what role it will play as a gas of the future. Thanks, Samantha. It's been really interesting. Yes, thank you very much for hosting. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening to today's Future of Energy podcast. For more information on our future energy scenarios, head to our website, nationalgrideso.com. Goodbye. <laughs>